Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. When we went to all the national parks, Brad got to show me a lot of places on the Appalachian Trail where he got to go through. He got, let me, we'd walk a little bit. He said, come on, we'll walk a little bit to the Lapsin Trail where he went. So it was fun to do that. We so. were just on the Appalachian Trail just a little bit in Shenandoah uh, when we were hiking there last month. Yep. And it was, yeah, we have dreams of doing the whole thing. So when we do that, Brad, we're going to call you for <laughs> yeah. all of the information. Yes. If you guys had better luck than Brad, he started out and right to a snowstorm. Uh, oh, When he no. started the Appalachia. <laughs> I don't know how many days he was able to hold up. That was in the Smokies as well. I was trapped in a blizzard for three days. Woof. Yeah. With a, with, a, with a woman about, who was about 65 named Spirit. That was her trail name. I knew that she was alive because she snored so much. So the trail gives you your name, right? Isn't that how the Appalachian Trail works? You're supposed to. I was afraid that I was going to end up with like a hypothermia-related trail name. So I, I, I gave myself a trail name because I just wanted to sound like a badass. So I went with Hellbender. Ah, uh, and that's, that's, that's where, where your handle comes from. from. Got it. You know, they, they start in the, in the southern part of the Appalachian Mountains and work their way north. Anyway, people would meet me and they were expecting to meet some kind of like biker, Hell's Angel type guy. They're like... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I remember your podcast where you was on this mountain and everybody had to go single file and you had to get around and try Oh my word, I'm telling you, I got the biggest kick out of that. (laughs) That was, I think, our Angels Landing episode, probably. Yeah, that was terrifying. Oh my word, that was scary. I'll tell you that. It was so scary. Where, like, on the way back down, people are like, is it worth it? And Mike's going, like, yeah, Yeah. of course. And I'm behind them going, like, "Mm, um, (laughs) you could see it from there. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. Trail Mix is the short format episode of our show. Our long format episodes explore one hiking trail in one national park, 
one park at a time. Trail Mix allows us to dive deeper into things we didn't get to cover in our long format episodes. That's right, and this Trail Mix is another very special episode. For our last three Trail Mix episodes of the season, we had the opportunity to interview several different people that have incredible reach and impact on the national parks and the outdoors in general. In our last episode, we interviewed Matthew Podolsky, the co-host and co-creator of Earth to Humans podcast from the Wild Lens Collective. We had the pleasure of meeting and chatting with Matt several times prior to our interview, which allowed us to better understand not only his love and appreciation of the outdoors, but his own attitudes, ethics, and behaviors when it comes to the environment, something that both of us are concerned about and actively working on better practices for. It was a real treat to be able to sit down with Matt, and just as much of a pleasure to do the same with today's guests, Brad Ryan and Grandma Joy. If you've been paying attention to the news in the last few years, you've probably heard of Brad and his Grandma Joy working to explore the country through the beauty of the national parks. Brad and Grandma Joy's journey started after she had confessed to Brad that after living her life in Ohio, she had regretted never seeing the ocean or a mountain. Their first adventure in the national parks was to the nearby Great Smoky Mountains, and they haven't stopped since. Well, sort of. With the exception of last year, due to the pandemic, they took a pause. But originally, their plan for the summer was Alaska, which will be realized in a few short months. We first met Brad when he sent us an email about a year or so after our podcast had launched. After stumbling upon us, we soon began corresponding on the regular. One of the things that touched us so much from our correspondence, other than his thoughtfulness, genuineness, and generosity, was his love for the outdoors and for sharing that experience with his grandmother, who, among other things, champions allyship for the LGBTQ community. While we had always had the opportunity to have conversations with Brad, And while there were always floated plans of meeting for a National Parks trip and hiking together, we had never had the opportunity to actually meet Grandma Joy. Well, a few weekends ago in mid-April 2021, all of that changed. We were fortunate enough through the wonders of the internet and the incredible tech work of Dusty to be able to sit and have an amazing conversation with Brad and Grandma Joy, together but apart, all about their adventures, their goals, and living a life full to the brim with adventure and joy. Grandma Joy's road trip began essentially because my grandmother had never seen the mountains or the ocean or deserts. And truthfully, I had not seen much of that myself. I I hiked the Appalachian Trail, but all of the great, you know, iconic national parks of the West, Yosemite, Joshua Tree, Glacier, I had never seen any of that either. You know, during this period of time when my grandma and I were reconnecting after a period of 10 years of estrangement following my parents' divorce... I was heartbroken to think about this 85-year-old lady who had such a thirst for life and such a thirst for an adventure that was unfulfilled and that she would just be sitting in her house watching, you know, watching television and, and going about the same routine that she'd been experiencing for eight decades in this little, this little town where I grew up. And it just seemed like a tragedy that was completely avoidable if I would just find the time to invite her along. And so when I was in my final year of vet school at Ohio State, she told me that she would be willing to go with me to the Great Smoky Mountains to get away for the weekend. And for me, that was just a huge relief that I would be able to check that off of our bucket list and that, you know, if if she were to to pass away at some point, that at least I would have those those memories of our weekend camping trip in the Great Smoky Mountains. What unfolded though was something 
so magical. And it was magical for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, we arrived in the most um, unfortunate circumstances in the rain at one o'clock in the morning. You know, she's, she's never been in a tent. She's never been in a sleeping bag, on an air mattress, any of that. And here we are at one in the morning trying not to wake everybody up. And she's holding an umbrella over my head. And we get the air mattress blown up. I hear a thump in the middle of the night through the darkness. I'm able to scramble for my headlamp and I see this little leg sticking out from under the mattress like the Wicked Witch of the East or the Wizard of Oz. And I just hear her laughing and we're able to blow that mattress back up and, and get her back on. And then she falls off again. We were able to see mountains. The next day, the, the, the weather got better. We walked up to the Alum Cave trailhead and it says moderate to strenuous, I think. And she's like, well, yeah, yeah." she's like, well, let's try it. And she's like, I'll see you at the top, boys. You know, that was her, (laughs) her attitude. And and we end up under the, the Allen Cave cliff walls. My memory of that is that there were like 50 or 60 people and a good Mm -hmm. number of them were college aged boys that were like standing up and applauding my grandmother and wanting their photos taken with her. And I could just tell at the time, even though this was just a simple weekend camping trip, Everybody we met had this glow in their eyes at seeing this intergenerational duo exploring the great outdoors together. And as the years went by, I just kept looking at the map of all the U.S. national parks. And I thought, wow, like this is doable. I mean, I I probably won't be able to do that many. But, you know, if I was able to just save up a few thousand dollars, I bet we could go camping, make that money stretch and we could see a lot. And so that was really, that, that's where it, it, it sort of began. So Grandma Joy, what was that first camping trip like for you? Oh, <laughs> I, I'm lucky to survive it to begin with. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was, uh, I didn't mind. I, I just kind of go with the flow, whatever, you know. But when the air, the air mattress collapsed, I had to get underneath of it and turn it around so he could fill it up. And then I couldn't get out. And I said, well, this is like one of those Laurel and Hardy movies. I don't think he's ever seen one. But anyway, that's what it put me in mind of. <laughs> Have you always been an like an outside, outdoorsy person, Grandma Joy? Like, has that always been part of your life? Well, with three boys, I just chased them around wherever they went. And when they went fishing, I had to go to get the fishing hook out of somebody's head or somebody's neck or wherever they ended up with it, I swear. That one boy, he liked to do nothing but cast, and I heard one of the boys yell, and, and he had him in the back of the neck. With it. <laughs> He couldn't cast, and he couldn't figure out. <laughs> and so so that's I went along just as a, a first aid, I guess. But she did. She grew up in the country, so she was always a nature girl, I think. Yeah, out with the cows and the horses and the chickens and that kind of jazz. We swam in the creek. We didn't realize we didn't have anything. We had everything we wanted. We had a place to go swimming, and we could go down there and go sleigh riding. So it was nice. Well, so that was like your first time, the two of you on a trail together. What was that like, Brad? What made it so special was, was that we got to do it together and that I was able to weave in parts of my past. The, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park was where we would go as, as children. My sister was a, a national clogging champion. All the dads and sons were trapped in Gatlinburg, you know, while our sisters were getting put into makeup and everything. I would be putt-putting in Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. And at the ripe age of nine, I had the wisdom to um, beg my parents to take me to Dollywood. 
So we made we made that happen. So we, we found ways to make it less miserable because when you're trapped inside an auditorium all day watching people clog and tap, it, it wasn't my, um, it, it gets old pretty quickly, but we had that, Grandma Joy never got to go, but the Smokies were a place where we would just kind of drive up and come back down, but I never really got to experience it uh, until I hiked through it. And so that was really my, that's where my, my real love of the outdoors began. So I, I think the other part of it that made it so special is that I realized that, you know, aging is what you make it. And so many people are depressed by the idea of being 85 or 86 or 87. And truly, if your life can look the way Grandma Joy's looks, then there's really nothing to be, to be sad about. You know, I think that it's, it's actually kind of, it, it's, it's taken away all of my fear of, of getting older, of dying, because, you know, your adventure, your, you know, the adventure that is life is your script to write. So I want to do it her way. And if you don't do it today, don't wait till tomorrow, because tomorrow might not come. So you go on this amazing trip to the Great Smoky Mountains. It's this fantastic experience. When was the moment when the two of you were like, let's, let's do all of them. Let's make this a thing. Let's try and see all of them. So it was a year after I graduated from vet school in May of 2016. I lived in New Hampshire for a year. And that's where I was, you know, desperate to... To make this happen. And, and so luckily I had the ability to carve out a few months in between. And so I, I was in back in Ohio for just a brief period of time. And that's when, that's when I set up the GoFundMe. I mean, it was really just a matter of, of opening these books and showing her pictures of all these amazing places. Would you want to do this? And so for me, it was, it was sort of an urgency of now because I didn't know if I would have the ability to carve out that much time again. I don't like to do anything small. I like to set big goals and, and big dreams for my life. Um, I wanted to do the seven summits as well. That's kind of, um, that's always been a dream, but I'm less, you know, I, as I've gotten older, I'm the idea of dying in an avalanche on Mount Everest has become less appealing. So I think I'm just going to keep road tripping. It was fun to look forward to the next national park, the next national park and everything, every park was something different. And, uh, it was exciting. I think I I've seen more in my few months than most people in the United States have seen in their whole life. And people want to go away overseas, and they got all these beautiful, beautiful parks that's got things that they would never see anywhere else. And I don't know why they don't go. What have been some of your favorite parks? You guys have seen so many of them. Or one that you feel like you'd like to go back to that maybe you, you know, felt you'd like you would have, would like to have had some more time in. Well, one thing we did, we was there for two hours and a half, but the Carlsbad Caverns, we got, it's so beautiful down in there and they've got it all fixed so you can see everything. And uh, it would just, and uh, the Redwood Forest, you just can't. And you can't believe when you go to Petrified Forest that this was a tree and it was right. growing. So there's just something that's wondrous out there when you go. It's just one wondrous thing after another. Mike and I have been traveling together for a few years. And so it's like, now we've sort of started to like, I mean, after a while we got to really understand sort of like, okay, how are we when we travel? Like what's, you know, 
like it's great because we travel very well together but like you get to know each other's quirks and you get Mm -hmm. to know each other's things Mm -hmm. and what people need (laughs) so like what have you learned about Brad over the course of doing all this travel together well when you go out and he starts talking to someone you might as well sit down because it's going to be a whole (laughs) bunch of people around there talking to him so I just take it easy and wait because he can talk about anything you know, he's well knowledge, and he can just talk with anybody about everything. And he has a charisma. He smiles, and everybody smiles, and that means that means a lot. I think right there. I think the most important thing that I've been able to apply to my life is the importance of of really taking in the moment. And I know when you're tired on a trail, and your your feet hurt, and you're just dreaming of of uh that Ruby Tuesday (laughs) or whatever it is, you know, that you can, Mm -hmm. that you can rush through the experience of, of being in the great outdoors. And when, I mean, keep in mind, all of this started for her at age 85. So the 53 U S national parks that we have visited, plus all the monuments. I mean, just the, the 53 capital N capital P national parks that we've been to and more started when she was 85. And so a lot of us, I don't think we come to terms with our mortality until, until we're, st- you know, we start to become limited in some way. Mm-hmm. And so that gives us the privilege to just do these 10 miles or climb this mountain as fast as you can and then get back to base camp. And so for me, I don't think I ever would have been inclined to stop and really stare at a pattern of lichen on a rock mm-hmm. and just the kaleidoscope of colors of lichen on a rock that we saw at... Uh, you know, Craters of the Moon, National Monument, and things. I mean, just these little things that would never stand out. The little insects that she pointed out to me that I would have stepped over without giving a second thought to. And so really being able to do the macro and the micro at the same time is what has enriched my life the most. And then beyond that, (laughs) just realizing that you can approach your octogenarian years and now your 90s with just a fearlessness I did not tell her to roll down that sand dune in Colorado. That was her idea. Right. Wasn't well, going to be there again, so do it now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What was the like rolling down that sand dune? Oh, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, how are you going to get back up? And I said, I'll just crawl. So I did. We were there on a very windy day. So mm-hmm. we get it. Yeah. And <laughs> sometimes I'm, you have to crawl. I was the same way. I was like, once I go down, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming back up. Like... <laughs> chicken <laughs> <laughs> that's something brad what you said just before is something we've talked about a lot so do you do, do the both of you feel that being in the outdoors whether it's a national park whether it's a state park whether it's just in your backyard do you feel like that helps you to kind of gain more of just a presence in that moment as opposed to that sort of like living in the future or kind of in the past and being able to do that through those small things that you see that sort of micro because that's a conversation that we've had and that's a question for the both of you most people when they're 85 they sit down their life's over mine just started and i've taken advantage of it and i don't regret one minute of it grandma joy what advice do you have to other people who might be 85 seeing your story and going like 
Huh. I mean, I never thought about doing that. Well, you just have to give it a try. That's all. You got to say, I'm going to get up and do something. And these parks, they have all kinds of trails and things for people that are handicapped. If you're in a walker or in a wheelchair or you can just walk, you ask the, ask the ranger and they'll tell you where you can go. So there's no reason to say, I am 85 and I can't do anything. You just got to take the bull by the horns and do it. I hope people do. Yeah, I hope so too. I think your story definitely has inspired a lot of people to take the bull by the horns, you know, and really get out there because there is so much to see and life is short. (laughs) Yeah. So you want to do something today, do it. One of the things that we love about the national parks is all of the people that you get to intersect with and all the people that you get to meet, all the people that you get to talk to. I probably am the same way as Brad when it comes to like talking to somebody. It's like, yep, I'll just keep going and going and going. And now we're sharing life stories. What are some of the most surprising connections that you've made with people that you've been able to interact with because of this journey through the parks? Well, um, we were on the boat going out to the Fort Tortuga and this lady and man uh, were on there and they had a small baby, six months old. And um, they were from another country and I couldn't understand them and they couldn't understand me. But they let me know they wanted to go out and look at the, go out to the end of the boat. And I said, well, I'll babysit. So there I am, I'm holding their baby and they're out (laughs) going around the boat. And then later on, we went to see uh, the elk uh, eat out of this lake. So we were, we were in Glacier National Park looking for the moose. And then we saw this little, this little girl come and sit down beside of me. She was about two or three years old. And she had binoculars. And I don't know what she said. And she didn't know what I said. But she had me look at the binoculars. And then I talked to her. And she talked to me. And she was the dearest little thing. I could have taken her home. So... You know, you don't have to be able to talk to people's language. You you can let them know what you want, and they can let you know what they want. But it was enjoyable, and I always think about that little girl. And that little baby was so cute, he looked like one of them wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I have to say, that was, on the shores of that lake in Glacier National Park, it was one of the most beautiful moments. I didn't, I, when I was watching it, it felt cinematic to me. She, they were from Europe, they didn't speak English. They're both wearing polka dots. Just watching my grandmother sitting by this lake and this little girl comes up completely on her own accord. Her mom didn't nudge her. She wanted to share that moment because she saw that Grandma Joy didn't have binoculars and they're, uh, you know, separated by 80 years of life, a language barrier, and it was a completely authentic moment where they're just two people completely taking in the awe of watching these moose chow down on... Lake scum. <laughs> right. As, as moose are prone to do. Glacier National Park was our fourth or fifth national park, I think. So, I mean, it was, it was truly magical. And then, you know, follow up that moment with the, the moose getting out of the lake and charging us and everybody being able to run away to safety except me and Grandma Joy. So I'm just, you know, she, does, she doesn't even know what's happening. Everybody's screaming and, you know, running in every direction. I, and I, I figured they'd get him first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just kind of squinted, like, okay, we'll see how this plays out. But it's fun. It really is. You never know when the next thing is going to come up. So it's fun to go from one park to the next because you never know what's going to happen. And Brad made me this great big book of the first 29. 
So I can sit there and look through because he made me this beautiful book and it's got all the... Oh, it's beautiful. So I can look back through that. Being I couldn't get out, I still could look through that book and remember everything we did. Oh, it's beautiful. How are you feeling and, and what are your pre- your preparations like for Alaska as that kind of inches closer? Well, I've got my hiking shoes. And I've, <laughs> I've had them on while at work and I'm getting them broke in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, as I come across things, I've been putting them out on the bed. I thought, well, I better take some insulated underwear just in case because it might be cold <laughs> up there. You never know. So, but it's just something to look forward to, really. It's kind of sad, too, in a way that that's going to be the end. I've always wanted to see a grizzly bear, so I'm going I think I'm going to get my wish at that. Hopefully so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all over Alaska. Then when we were in California, I got to see a whale. It came up right in front of me yes. on the boat. So that was something, too. Yeah. You don't find any of those in the Skingham River. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned, you know, after Alaska, that being the end. But do you, you know, do you both have travel ambitions after that? You know, is there is there something else that you'd like to do that isn't National Parks related that you would maybe hope to do with Brad or Brad, something that you have in mind that you'd like to do with Grandma Joy that, you know, once this this journey is over. They've opened up a new one down in West Virginia, yes. so we have to go down there. Yes. We just were there, actually, and it is... Oh, did you? Yes. Is it, it nice? It's oh, beautiful. Yeah. It is. Oh, yeah. It's spectacular. Yeah. Do you know about the bridge walk? Uh, we do. We and, do. Um, all of the terror that went all through All of the terror. <laughs> I mean, you would be like plugged no, in. Yeah, yeah you'd, you'd be like, you'd be uh, strapped, strapped in, in and like harnessed in, And you basically. can walk all the way across the bridge. Yeah. My neighbor across the street, when I told him I was going, he's like, oh, I've always wanted to do the bridge walk. Did you do it? And I was like, no. He's like, my, <laughs> wife, my wife won't do it with me. And I was like, well... I don't know. I, I, heights don't usually bother me, but, and I know you're on that gangplank and you're <laughs> strapped in, but it just, I don't know. I think I would have all the fear there. Well, I think I'm going to be by myself because I know somebody else is afraid of heights. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that maybe, someone on this call with us? <laughs> maybe Mike and Grandma Joy can do the bridge walk. Right. And okay. then Brad and I will go to the lookout over on the Great. side or something. <laughs> that, and I love watch, that. I love and that watch idea. and take photos while it happens. That sounds fun. Mike, you could be grandson for a day. <laughs> okay. Great. Honorary <laughs> grandson. Go. I will take there it. There we go. <laughs> but I mean, we, we are going to go to Samoa as well. We're so close at this point. I mean, I, yeah. I really want to finish the goal. So you'll do Samoa and Guam. Is that in the plan? Well, somebody said it takes two days to get over there, does it? There's no direct flight. Ooh, we looked when we were in Hawaii and we were like, oh, well, maybe we can maybe go to Guam. Maybe we could jump over when to we're in Hawaii. Guam, right. <laughs> it was like $1,000 just to fly there from Hawaii. And we're like, one way. We were like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> in some ways, we tried not to limit ourselves, but we, we really were focused on the national parks. But in the, you know, it's not every, it's not everything. Right. You know, I mean, we've, we've, we haven't been to Niagara Falls. We haven't been to Lake Tahoe together. You know, and, and there are national parks that I feel like we have unfinished business in. Like, we didn't get to go to Wind Cave at Wind Cave <laughs> because the mm-hmm. elevator was broken. Mm-hmm. But this is how I operate. I mean, I, no, I don't plan anything. So we just show up and it's like, it will be what it will be. And then we can't be disappointed, right? And so, but, but it is a little disappointing when you find out that Wind Cave is closed at Wind Cave National Park. Yeah, that's yeah. disappointing. But, Grandma, tell them what happened that day. Do you remember what we saw instead? Oh, poor thing. We're driving down this road, and um, Brad, I said, there's an animal walking here beside me. And he, 
His old wet looked like he'd lost his last friend. Oh, he was just had his head down, just trodding along. And uh, Fred said, what is it? And I said, well, I don't know, some kind of a, looked like a wolf or something to me. And uh, so Brad said, no, that's, it's, what did you say it was? That's a coyote. And there he was. And he got right in front of the car and sat down. The coyote did. And he was after a prairie dog. And I don't want him to get them. That's my favorite. I like them <laughs> oh, prairie dogs. Mm-hmm. But he didn't make it. He went over there and he was too slow. Mm. They all went in the hole before he did. But that poor thing, I felt so sorry for him. He just, he was all, it was raining and he was just, I felt sorry for him. I really did. If I had a bologna sandwich, I'd give it to him. Those are the moments that, that I love is when it turns out to be completely different and it's way better. And so we, I mean, we watched that coyote hunt for prairie dog. I mean, we, we probably watched five or six predatory attempts where he was stalking and then chasing towards the prairie dogs. And of course they're all communicating with each other and the gig is up. Right. But, um, it, but it reminded me of, you know, I've been able to watch cheetahs hunt in the Serengeti and, you know, to watch the, the, the wildebeest migrating across the Serengeti plains of Tanzania. When those moments were happening for me, I remember thinking, I wish of all people in my life, I know that grandma joy would have appreciated that more than anything. And so, although we couldn't do that together, We've been trapped in a bison herd in Yellowstone for hours. So, you know, it felt so familiar to me that I feel like she still, you know, she, she had that, that sense of all the amazing things that happened in the natural world. Even if it wasn't in Africa, it was still equally as spectacular. We see many beautiful, beautiful things. Oh, we want, we, I like the prairie dog, so Brad stopped. And I was talking to this little prairie dog, and he came over. And if I'd opened the door, he'd have got in. He'd come clear over there by the door. And then we would have died from plague. <laughs> I guess that's really, you know, helpful that you're a veterinarian, Brad, because yeah, that's good. You have all that that insider info on the animals, right? If I get bit, he can put a bandaid on. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Even when the national park goal is met. They keep adding new ones. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I think I mean, Yeah, America's not stopping. No. So right. there's so many places that I just feel like could be. I think we talked, when we talked last, Brad, we just talked about how beautiful the White Mountains are and how oh. incredible it is up there in New Hampshire. And it's, it's astounding to me. Like, National Forest, we were just saying, like, what a, what a space that I feel like probably isn't as well explored as the national park system and something that really i feel like is a sleeper for a lot of people like because everybody goes to the national parks but you know i I feel like a lot of people don't utilize those national forests and there are some amazing 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 incredible trails national forests yeah a lot of people go to the national parks. They don't see half of everything. They rush through. Right. We got to do this. Right. right. We went through, and this one uh, we wore, uh, it has a loblolly tree. That's the only place that has the loblolly tree. And then it grows high as a seven story building. That's how it'll go. And it had all those cypress knees in there. And then four times a year, it gets flooded. The Congree. Four times a year, it gets flooded, mm-hmm. everything. So it was something to see. And then we had, oh, 
big spiders and they had the most beautiful webs you ever saw in your life. It was something to see. We we have experienced those spiders. Yes, we have. <laughs> they are much, beautiful much to webs. Dusty chagrin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you walked right into one I of did. them. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. But there's something to see in every park. You just oh, have to look for yes. it. Yes. And something to see all over the place. It's just, you know, carving out that time to really to do it and to like to put yourself out there and you know the both of you have obviously done that in a, such a beautiful way and I think that's what for me is so admirable about your journey in so many ways that desire to still do that desire to still see that has to uh, you know really just keep you going in so many ways and keep you so young you know and, right. and young at heart because there is so much beauty out in the world and being oh, out there, yeah. like you were saying too, Brad, it's biochemical in some ways, you know, it really does like it, it enhances your, your life in so many different, um, different, different ways. We talk a lot about letting a national park reveal itself to you. That's sort of what I, I thought about when you were talking about how like you really need to take the time to really just be there and be in that space. Is there a moment where you feel like, I know you've mentioned a few of them, but is there like any other moments where you would feel like, oh, had we not just like been here and done exactly you know like gone the way exactly that we did that we would not have experienced this thing when we did our east coast loop from duncan falls through uh, shenandoah congaree and all of the national parks of florida we came back up and we had a um sort of a re uh, yeah our second turn at at the smokies and so we did completely different things we went to fontana dam which is part of the park that a lot of people skip um, you have to really drive out of your way to get there. But we woke up really early. Um, if Grandma Joy and I can avoid Gatlinburg, we like to avoid it. But that night we, we stayed in Gatlinburg and because um, we weren't going camping on that trip. And so I, we got up at five in the morning, I think, hoping that we were going to be able to get to Cades Cove bright and early and have our best chance at seeing a black bear. Anybody that has researched the Great Smoky Mountains National Park knows that you have the best, ch- you have your best chance of seeing a black bear if you go to Cades Cove. And we, we love it there. It's just, um, I can drive that loop all day long and never get tired of it. And I don't know what happened. It, exhaustion, lack of caffeine, crashing blood sugar, just all of it. I ended up at Klingman's Dome instead of Cades Cove. And I was just, I was just devastated because the the sun was already coming up. By the time we were going to get all the way back to that side of the park, I felt like our our dawn peak would have would have passed, and it was thick fog. I was trapped behind this slow moving car. We couldn't get around it. Grandma says I'm patient, but I don't think I was patient in that moment. And then tell them what happened, Grandma. Oh, we went around this bend. There's a stone wall, and there walked a little baby bear. Just sauntering along like he had all day. And he, <laughs> then he turned around and went the other way and jumped down and started digging for worms. And he'd dig over here, then he'd walk over somewhere else. But we never did see the mother. So we could have stayed longer because Brad has a hybrid and when you can't hear the motor. But then this man came in this truck and he was in a hurry. So that was the end of that. Oh, I see. So the truck scared that little baby bear. 
it was like a it was another one of those movie moments because we were driving through really thick fog and then we come around the bend and then the fog was i mean it was just it was it was amazing there was no fog and just us alone with this bear cub for probably five minutes wow. and then we continued on our way right back into the fog so it, it was just one of those it was a miracle like synchronicities of life there a wrong turn that was quite right Brad, you mentioned not planning anything, so not having expectation. Has there been any park that totally surprised you in either a good way or a bad way? So I think that there were certain parks on the map that appeared underwhelming. Poor Hot Springs and poor <laughs> Gateway Arch, right? I mean, everybody gives, gives those parks so much flack, but those were our final two parks when we were finishing up our lower 48 journey. Uh, we came up through Hot Springs and then Gateway Arch was going to be our last stop. At, the, at that point, New River Gorge wasn't a park yet. So that we, right. we were finishing everything in the lower 48. And it, it just seemed like we were, we were headed towards an underwhelming conclusion. You know, we got a massage and we got... <laughs> I mean, it was like... Yeah. <laughs> Grandma got her first massage at 87. No, you were 89. You were 89. The last one, too. <laughs> it was so funny. I mean, people, I tried to tell this story on, on a radio show once, and the, it, it fell flat. It did not, it, people did not appreciate the story, but Grandma Joy's like on this table under a white sheet. It looked like I did. <laughs> <laughs> he had to sneak in and take a picture. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Grandma Joy is very in tune with her, or very in touch with her mortality, so we can have a sense of humor about. <laughs> yeah, I kick the bucket anytime. <laughs> Other people don't appreciate that as much, but. But yeah, I mean, that was wonderful. And the Rangers at Gateway Arch National Park. Oh, they were great. They made this beautiful museum. Oh, I wish we'd had time. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it, Brad? Yeah. They've. I mean, and what, what, what I've learned about. Gateway Arch National Park that I appreciated in an entirely different light. I think a lot of the um, the pushback that that park gets is this idea that it doesn't. How could this ever live up to Big Bend or Yosemite Yellowstone? Why is this in the same category? Why does it deserve to be elevated to that point? And what Ranger Nikki and Ranger Aaron explained to us is that you know the vast majority of Americans. And most of our children live in urban epicenters, right? If it weren't for places like Gateway Arch National Park, most children would never meet a ranger. Right. And an urban park, it is our only real urban park within the national park system. So I, I get it. I get when people, I mean, every time, you know, you see a National Park Service post about Gateway Arch, there's always people that are like up in arms about, why is this a national park? But she really helped me understand that, you know, the, the, that an urban park has its place within the park system because it's not just natural history that we're trying to preserve. It's, it's cultural history and um, American history and, and everything in between. And, and it is. I mean, going to the national park system, wherever that is, you're going to learn about the other national parks as well. And so that... You know, all these little children that are able to go to Gateway Arch National Park and have a ranger-led program. There's a subset of those kids that are going to get the, the fever for, for our national park services and, and the whole system at, as a whole. So I think that it does have its place. And I was happy to have met those rangers and learned about 
where that that fits into the bigger picture. One thing about that, there's never been a ranger that wasn't very nice, polite, and answered every question when we ask. They're able to show you different things. We want to know where something was. They take the time to show us. So that's one of the blessings of the national park. They they help you in any way that they can. That, that's what allows us to be so spontaneous is knowing that we can just yeah. go to the visitor center, grab a map, talk to a ranger. If you say, I have 48 hours or I have 13 hours, I want to see the best of this park. What's going to show this place off the most and really give us a sense of what's so special and unique about it? Brad, you talked about how the urban park has a place, like it gives access to the national parks to so many different people in different urban areas and really sort of an opportunity for us to find ourselves within like part of what is sort of the greater outdoors, perhaps. And I'm curious about in the email that you sent us way back when you, you know, told us that you're gay, you love the outdoors, the outdoors have been a part of your life always. And I'm curious, like what this journey through the national parks has also sort of informed about your own queer identity. There's a lot wrapped up in that, that question, obviously. When I set out on the Appalachian Trail in 2009, I was out. And I was confident in who I was, but at the same time, I wasn't confident that I would be embraced by the world. And I was quite afraid of, I, I mean, I was, I was afraid of straight men. You know, I was just, I was, it was the product of, of where we grew up and everything that, that we go through. And I just didn't know, you know, I had this, this complex left over from being bullied, including by my father. And... The Appalachian Trail was an experience for me to figure out, like, what is my identity as a man in this world? It turns out that nature and the AT community was exactly what I needed to accept myself completely. And, you know, anybody that ever wanted to call me a sissy, I would challenge them to look at all of my black toenails that were falling off, my ankles that were the size of pumpkins about 75% of the time. And I got up every day... 2009 was the rainiest year in, on, you know, on record for the AT. And it just became what, like what was absolutely miserable in the beginning. It became this rite of passage at the end of the Shawshank Redemption with the rain pouring down and my arms extended and it, it was like, bring it on. You know, like I couldn't get muddy enough. I couldn't smell bad enough to just satisfy like how primitive I felt and how I came alive out there. And it turns out like after nobody was really, we weren't talking about those things. It was really about the day to day you know, how we, nobody discussed their life back home. Nobody discussed politics or, or any of those things. And so we really found out who we were after we finished the experience. And there were so many gay people on the Appalachian Trail. And I think we were all drawn there for variations of the same theme. And that was such a beautiful thing. And so then fast forward to 2015 when Grandma Joy and I went on this first trip to the Smokies. So I was not out to Grandma Joy. I had no idea if she knew, if that was going to be a deal breaker for her, if that was going to change the way she saw me in some way. And I had a lot of anxiety about having that conversation with her. And I didn't know because my, my father was so homophobic and we had not spoken in so long. I didn't know if that was a philosophy that he had gotten from his upbringing I, did, I, I honestly had no idea what Grandma Joy's feelings were about this because we were just in the, the early stages of, of learning about each other again. And in that period when I was not speaking to her, I, I, I came out and I, I learned who I was. So it was the first night we already talked about we're in the rain 
in our, in our tent and Grandma Joy's falling off and we're, we're just chuckling through the night. The next night, we were actually able to build a campfire and it's like 11 o'clock p.m., pitch black, fire crackling, Katie dids and crickets chirping. And just there's this long silence. And out of that silence, Grandma Joy just says, you know, your grandpa always knew you were gay. And that's what happened. Just like, and I said, she goes, well, you know, I mean, what do you remember about that, Grandma? Well, I didn't. As far as I'm concerned, he's just the same whether he's gay or something else. He puts his pants on like everybody else does. And and he's not, he's worth more than a half a dozen of these people around here that's got something to say about. I can tell you that right now. So, I'll stick up for him. I don't know, care, whatever. He's my grandson and I love him and I wouldn't trade him for anybody. We were uh, stopped at a place... Brad was taking these pictures, these different flowers we ever saw, you know. They were really different white. And he stopped to take a picture of them. And this lady parked the car there. She came running over there to me and she said, is that your grandson? Yes. Yeah. She said, is he straight? And I said, no. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> oh, darn. She said, I had a niece I was going to hook him up with. <laughs> So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just part of life. Right, right. That's all there is to it. Yep. You don't have, you aren't growing extra horns or you're not going to infect somebody or you're not, you know, it's just people have closed minds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, Grandma Joy in that moment when you're the one who says, your grandfather always knew that you were gay. I believe those family members can sense we have something heavy on our hearts that we're not sharing. Right. And that it's okay to just break the silence like that. Right. Yeah. And going back to kind of taking this all the way back to people having closed minds, do you think that's what keeps, you know, closed minds in a different sort of way? That's what keeps so many people from getting out there and doing doing something like you have done because their mind is is closed off. They've closed off that part or they've, they've allowed fear to sort of close it off. Right. When I get to be like I retire and I get to be 70, well, this is the end of my life right here. Right. I'm going to sit right here in this chair. Right. They sort of like, it's sort of like. Growl and gripe about everything and complain and do something. I think there are a lot of people that might want to do something like we did, but they have assumptions about their grandparents the way I had about her. And I didn't, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just, you get you carry so much trauma your whole life and then the self-protection mechanisms, you don't even realize you're doing it. And it's easier for people to just not rock the boat and to just not even open that possibility for rejection. And so you never even give people the chance to show how beautiful they are and how um, loving and open they are. And so I'm very, very grateful that she was able to pull the bandaid off the se- literally the second night our, our, our first night around the campfire, I mean, she, she probably doesn't realize even to this day what that um, allowed for me or the, the amount of healing that, that that allowed for me to experience. Had she given a different answer, I probably would have just left her at the campsite. And <laughs> Joy's road trip never would have been. She would have found her way back. Oh, shoot. Anyway. 
it, but it's 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 a it's a powerful thing, and I I want Grandma Joy to be remembered. That's this is a part of our story that we've never talked about with anyone, mm-hmm. with all of the interviews that we've done, and I want people to know that Grandma Joy is also um, as wholehearted as they come. Yep, he took me to a gay bar. <gasps> Which one? Where? I don't know. It was a fancy one. I liked it. <laughs> Where'd we go, Brad? Was this the drag show, Brad, that we got a video of? Her first gay bar was in West Hollywood. Oh, oh you went wow. to... Oh, yeah. hello. Oh, we really lived it up that night. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, you went to like, you know, the Mecca of gay bars. And four of his friends came and took me to the park and I rode on four roller coasters. Yes. Man, I said, I'm ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was really something to to experience. Grandma Joy um, walking around Six Flags with five gay men singing uh, Katy Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, it was, that was... That was inspirational in an entirely different way. And they kept saying, we can't put her on this bread. Like she's, she may not make it. And, and Girl Joy's like, oh, we'll, fi- we'll figure it out if I have a heart condition when we get to the top of this thing. Yeah. If yeah. don't come through, just drag me off. <laughs> oh my God. It was so great. I mean, really. I mean, that, and that was not a national park, but that was. Um, that was a fun thing to do on the side. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to have those adventures, those side adventures Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Mike does not ride roller coasters. That's a, I mean, if we're in Disney, I will ride a roller coaster. <laughs> not so a yeah. simulator. Grandma Joy, you and yeah. I can ride some roller coasters go. sometimes <laughs> because I love them. I do too. Oh, that was fun. You put out a GoFundMe to get some support for Alaska, and you we checked it just a little while ago, and you are like beyond the beyond with that. It's gonna cost a lot because, like, <clears throat> going an airplane is $400 for an hour. Woof, yeah, that's a lot, but people can still donate to the GoFundMe right now, right? It's, yeah, I, I left it open, but we're hoping to be able to go to, like I said, to go to Samoa, um, and you know, I have no plans to really stop traveling with Grandma Joy. So I would like to do like my, my I guess I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself and like live in the moment and not plan too much. Just be grateful for everything that's that's happened. And so that's all very true. But there is a little part of me that just has that like unfinished business where we can actually go to Isle Royal and spend more than 30 minutes. Like you said about, you know, getting back together with people earlier and just being able to see people and interact with people again. We're like, there's so many people that were like, when can we see you and do a hike with you? And like, there's an excitement or when can we get together to like, just meet up for the first time? Cause we've only met, you know, through the virtual world. So, you know, this is something that we would love to be able to accomplish that bridge walk, Grandma that Joy and walk. Grandma Joy and Mike's bridge walk. <laughs> That's happening. That's definitely happening. I said, I hope Brad gets to go back and go some of those places, you know, because I couldn't go on those big long trails like that, you know. And he's met all these different people. Maybe he's met enough different people that he can go back and go on those trails with them. So that's what he needs to do. That's what he likes to do. Grandma, which which parks do you most? If you if you could have your wish list of places to go back to, where would you most want to go? I don't know. I, I, there's just something about Congaree that I, when I went there, I just felt like you could feel the Lord in there. Just it was just calm and just peaceful. Peaceful. And meanwhile, Dusty's head is stuck in a spider web. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> I firmly it planted. is really it is I love hearing that that was your experience because like 
that is truly what I mean, you know, my experience was one thing, but that exactly like, you know, a park is going to be a unique experience to each person. Mm-hmm. And we were there on yeah. a day when the mosquito meter was set to zero. And- yeah, we'd have a mosquito. Yeah, we were at like a two, I think. It wasn't war. It wasn't yeah. war zone by any but means. But the spider yeah. meter was much higher. Not There's no spider <laughs> meter, but if there were, it would have been off the charts. Right. But yes, it was one of the like, I do have to say it was, Congaree was very flat. It's like hard to find a national park that's very flat. Apparently they're really known for the fireflies. Like there's this one period of time in the like late spring, early summer where you can go there at night and see the fireflies and they're just, it's like stars. So, oh my goodness. That is May. something that... I would love to go back to Congaree. Oh, see. I, yes. That would really be something to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What about for you, Brad? Same question. I mean, like I said, I, w- I want to go to Isle Royale with her and and experience that. And it's, you know, we were so stressed and so disappointed by the way that that all played out. But that was also, you know, th- that trip wasn't entirely ours because that was right after the story went viral and and um, we had a corporate sponsor. And so every every town that we would go to... We had, you know, five or six interviews lined up with the local media. And we it was such a weird, you know, kind of such circumstance. Do you feel like when the, you know, it got, the trip got more like media attention, did, I'm trying to figure out the best way to frame this question. Like, how did that, how did it change? How did your adventure change or did it change, you know, like, did it take away from anything that you had just you know, set out to do just because you wanted to do it with your grandma? Did it enhance, you know, how did it enhance it? Like, what was that, you know, how did that shift things once kind of everything sort of exploded? There was a moment when we were driving towards Rocky Mountain National Park. And this would have been probably, I don't know, we, we, we may have been on the road for 12 days, maybe, maybe 10 at that point. And we were going to meet the Today Show crew for that film shoot. And I could just tell... Like, she was not herself. She didn't have... She, I could just tell she was stressed, holding her breath. And she had tears, like, welled up in her eyes. And we were driving towards Cheyenne. I pulled over and I, I said, what would break my heart more than anything would be for this media attention to hijack what makes this so special. And for you to be... To have this joy taken from you is not the point. I want you to think about all of the grandma joys who are going to be watching this that will see themselves in you. And it shouldn't be about anything other than that. I mean, if this, if the media attention is not for any other, if, it, if it's not for anything uh, greater than ourselves, then it's not, it's not worth it. It's not what I want for our adventure. I want this to be a platform to launch that pebble into the lake, create that ripple that's going to keep this journey alive in ways that we'll never know. That That's what I wanted from the aftermath of the viral aspect of our, our story. And so do you remember that conversation, Grandma? Yeah. But, you know, when you're used to living in this as a small town, there's a thousand people here. I know practically all of them. But then there's no millions of people watching you and everything. That, And I'm not used to talking to uh, people I don't even know. And you get like a knot in your stomach and you, your heart just starts to pounding and it, it's stressful. It really is stressful. And people recognized her. I mean, that was the thing about it is that, uh, I mean, it truly was. Yeah, Grandma, can I give you a hug? But what are you going to say? Get your hands off of me. 
Right. No. You know, I mean, stranger. I mean, we come up out of the crowd and say, Grandma, can I give you a hug? So, you know, it's kind of weird. It really, it, really it, it was, it was strange. I mean, because we, we, one thing that's right at the very beginning of the journey, I mean, it happened at Indiana Dunes. And then we were at the end of a dead end road at Theodore Roosevelt in North Dakota. And we're just waiting on anybody to show up so we can have a picture of, someone can take a picture of us with this beautiful background. And the, it's a, it was a couple and they put their camera down before they took the picture. They're like, we know you guys. You know, and so, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say there's a part of that that's a little bit... Sure. Because you know that, like, wow, this really did happen. And there was impact on people, you know, for, enough for them to, to do that. But I can only imagine that it, yeah, there are those times where it's like, you just want to be, you know, you just want to experience this thing because you came to experience it. You didn't come to experience it and draw a crowd, you know? Yes, because that's not the way we started out. We just, it was for us. That's all. We didn't. We didn't want all this uh, attention, whatever. You know, we just. Uh, I was sitting at a picnic table, and some lady sneaked around behind me and said, "Are you Grandma Joy?" Like, yeah. Well, I want to give you a hug. I said, "Okay, whatever." But they're sneaking around behind me. But I scared the liver out of me. <laughs> but it got it got better. I mean, I, for me, it was about just having a conversation about it, acknowledging how weird and surreal and completely unexpected sure. that circumstance was. And then just sure. and say, just remember, like, remember there are lonely, there are a lot of lonely people who are widowed, um, who have a, had, you know, maybe a health setback for whatever reason, their lives have become very, very small. And if they're watching their regular programming and they see you rolling down sand dunes and, you know, looking down on an alligator from a boardwalk and the Everglades, then you you just never know. You just never know who that's going to touch at the right point right. in life. And like that's why I said we'll never know. We just know by mere statistical probability, based on the number of people that heard our story, that that there were people. And we and we get letters too from people like I'm taking, especially post COVID. You know, I don't I don't think sure. inter, intergenerational travel will be as rare because of our story, and that's just amazing. You know, I said that there's people in nursing homes. And their people come to see them like on Thanksgiving and Christmas, but they're kind of like forgotten in between times, you know. And uh, this yeah, man, we yeah. were giving this interview, and he said, "I'm going home and tell my daughter to go visit her grandmother." So if we just woke up one person, that's all right. This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that joy is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. 
Our music producer is Skylar Fordgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey.